Welcome to a special bonus episode of Three Brothers Filmcast. This February marked the 10th anniversary of our launch of the website, and as a commemoration, we've been sharing some of our film writing from the last decade. But we've also been working on something extra special to march this occasion, the Three Brothers Film Top 100. I'm Anders Bergstrom, here with my brothers... Anton. And Aaron. My last name is the same as my brother's. And in this bonus episode, we're going to talk about the process and results of our Top 100 list. So, to kick things off, let's take a look at the top 10 here. So, if you want to see the full 100, you're going to have to look at the website. The full list is is published on there. However, just to kick things off, let's actually look at the top 10. So, and number 10 is Return of the Jedi from 1983, directed by Richard Marcand. Number 9 is Citizen Kane from 1941, directed by Orson Welles. Number eight is It's a Wonderful Life from 1946, directed by Frank Capra. Number seven is Lawrence of Arabia from 1962, directed by David Lean. Number six is Seven Samurai from 1954, directed by Akira Kurosawa. Number five is Psycho from 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Number four is The Empire Strikes Back from 1980, directed by Irvin Kirshner. Number three is Star Wars, or A New Hope, uh, from 1977, directed by George Lucas. Number two is Raiders of the Lost Ark, from 1981, directed by Steven Spielberg. Coming at the number one slot is 2001 A Space Odyssey, from 1968, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, wait a second, I, I voted for the Gus Van Sant Psycho, so I, I don't understand why it's not in the top ten. <laughs> yeah, and it should be Rise of Skywalker at number ten. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so you can see we each get our favorite Star Wars in the top ten. Mine's A New Hope. Yeah, so as you can see from the top ten, it's here's the thing. So we're going to get into the methodology in a moment. But just so you know, this top ten was formulated by all of our picks coming together. And it actually is very representative of our kind of unified tastes. Not only of movies we all individually love, as Anton said, each of our individual favorite Star Wars movies on here. So Star Wars is Anton's favorite. Empire Strikes Back is Andrew's favorite. Return of the Jedi is my favorite. All those are in the top 10. Then also, of course, Steven Spielberg with Raiders. Um, 2001 Space Odyssey, the kind of consensus choice for the best science fiction film, which like we don't necessarily count Star Wars as science fiction. Um, Seven Samurai, so that's Kurosawa, kind of looms so large in our, in our early cinephile years. And even lately... Lawrence of Arabia for the epic and the kind of peak of classical large-scale filmmaking. It's a Wonderful Life, which is the movie we all usually watch at Christmas. Um, and Citizen Kane is just kind of the, that old standard, which I know, Anton, before you've kind of brought up that it's it's the kind of film that it's always bandied about as like the textbook definition of the best movie or the, you know, the ideal Hollywood movie, but that kind of hides the fact of just how damn entertaining it is. Yeah, it actually is the, the correct answer. <laughs> I think that was a Roger Ebert actually line, right? He always be like the correct answer to the greatest film is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Citizen Kane. And you know, I think it's also like the director's like having hit, having Hitchcock come in in the top 10 was really important there as well. So would be would 2001 be any of our individual pick for the top or was that more the consensus of all of us think it's like 
you know, so excellent, and that pushed it to the top. Let me put it this way, Mr. Raymer. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. We are all, by any practical definition of the words, foolproof and incapable of error. I, I always waffle between whether, at these days, whether 2001 or Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie of all time. It's, okay, it's so those so are close, the two. It's hard to yeah. pick between because Empire's been, but Empire's been my favorite for so long since I was a child that it would be hard to say. But if someone was like, you know, wanting my answer for like some of the more like formal possibilities of you know cinema as a modern art form i think i'd point to 2001 in a lot of ways as well so like i've always said and i i've written this on the website um my two favorite films are star wars a new hope and lawrence of arabia um but 2001 would be you know maybe third maybe fourth maybe fifth depending on my ranking do you know what's really interesting there is that there are some interesting like sort of formal similarities between those two films because star wars and lawrence of arabia you mentioned in your piece that you did for the intro to our retrospective on star wars you mentioned that fact that yeah. star wars and lawrence the piece arabia, called growing up on tatooine yeah the deserts and all those kind of things right yeah. and i noticed like there's scenes in like empire strikes back like even that mirror some of like the the modernism of uh 2001 a space odyssey like there's even a scene in you know on cloud city when luke skywalker goes down through the tubes and it lights up around mm. is very similar to the access uh on the discovery in 2001 a space odyssey and things like that so there's like interesting little formal similarities of some shots in those films so it's interesting pairings for us in that way i think the other funny thing is that so many of these directors of sub so if you take these all all these movies in this top 10 or in the larger 100 the films that are made earlier would probably be the favorite films of the filmmakers who made the films later, too. <laughs> like, hmm. you know what I mean? Like Spielberg and Scorsese and Lucas love Kurosawa, love Hitchcock. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Love Kubrick. Like, so... John Ford, you know, Searchers. Luke, exactly. Lucas would admit that he's stealing from 2001 and Spielberg would admit he's taken from John Ford. And it's just these kind of pile-up... Scorsese or, and Schrader or, were stealing from the Searchers. Taxi yeah. driver. Exactly. And so, so you can see the, you know, the personal side of this list because you, what, we're, what we were also doing is I think a lot of our taste in film grew out from things like, like Lucas and Spielberg and then into what their, their sources and the material they were drawing on. Like I know for myself, like my interest in Kurosawa came from my interest first encountering Star Wars as a kid and then being like, well, what were the movies he was watching and loved? And then you go and watch Hidden Fortress and Seven Samurai. And, and so, you know, um, it's interesting to see how the, the connections that the filmmakers saw among their works um, is something that we've sort of uh, appreciated. Absolutely. I, I would ha I'd have to go back and somehow, I don't think I can confirm it, but I'm pretty sure that uh, Kurosawa's films were probably the first foreign films, like non-Anglo uh, or American films that I've ever seen. I'd seen Kurosawa for like serious films, I guess, would be like the first foreign films that are really engaged with, but obviously I was watching Jackie Chan movies. But not me, yeah, because I'm eight There's years old. There's enough of an age gap, yeah. 
So when I got to watching Jackie Chan, I was already like 12, 13. Right? Yeah, and my interest mm-hmm. in like... I'm pretty sure I watched Seven Samurai or Hidden Samurai when I was like 9 or 10. And watching some of like the old westerns, that also sort of bridged out from Star Wars for me. Lawrence of Arabia, like I'd seen it on TV, like parts of it, and then I had to track down the double disc VHS, or sorry, not disc, the double cartridge like VHS, plug that in for four hours. Uh, well, so Aaron, you didn't say is... Um, how highly would if you were doing an individual list 2001 would that be in your your top couple uh, no. Few? no so so t- 2001 is like firmly in my top 10 but it's not in my top couple i probably have the most idiosyncratic top five of us three um partially of my love of studio ghibli movies and like i so i would have spirited away as the movie that would be kind of contending with Return of the Jedi for the best movie ever. Mm. And quickly after that, I would have Blue Velvet and Ben-Hur really close. And I know you guys like those movies and they're on this list, but they're not best film of all time kind of material. Yeah, the one that for me is edging into top film of all time territory, and I would probably at this point put it in my top five all time, is actually the My Neighbor Totoro. So. Which is on the list, and Which I really appreciate list. it. And so that's the kind of thing that you're getting where you mm-hmm. gravitate towards Totoro partially because of your experience, re-experiencing it through your kids. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a new lens and a new appreciation of just how like, amazing that is. While Spirited Away is this film that I remember watching it in probably early 2002 on DVD. And kind of when you guys were working at Blockbuster, I believe, and watching it and kind of re-watching it. And it wasn't my favorite. I, at the time... I remember thinking Princess Mononoke was like far and away the coolest just because it's so violent and it's got the samurai <laughs> aspects to it. But Spirited Away is that kind of film which the more I rewatched it, the more it grows and it starts to get this really strong hold on the imagination. And, you know, as a um, as a writer or as a person who makes short films and, and tries to fuel my creative side with these movies I engage with, something like Spirited Away is is complete fuel to the imagination where I, I watch it and it makes me jump off in a million different directions of the stories that I tell. So like something like that, it's the repetition is like it branches off further and further. And I even it's a completely different movie, but like Blue Velvet, another one of my favorites is a movie that I liked the first time I saw it. But then the second time I saw it, it like was a completely new re- experience. And then the third time and you start to realize how much the movie itself has to do with watching movies and like putting yourself in the lives of others and vertigo which is on this list further down has a bit of that too right with i think people Mm -hmm. who are interested in movies as the formative stories they take in gravitate towards certain movies which dig into that like artistic or creative imagination i think it's also notable then that how our top 10 the most recent film on that list is return of the jedi Mm -hmm. so it's definitely skews older. And then if you move a little bit down, for those of you looking at the, the, the larger top 100, Spirited Away is the, only, the, the first film in the last, I guess at this point, 20 years that appears on the list. Yeah, and so the first from the 20th, 21st century. Yep. Uh, maybe one other comment about the top 10 I'd point out. Um, just to, like we mentioned, uh, It's a Wonderful Life is something we always watch at Christmas. But I think I, when I was rewatching it this year with Anders, I'd point out that like I think each of us does actually think it's like an excellent movie. It's not just something we watch at Christmas. But when I was watching mm-hmm. it, I was struck by how in the first few scenes of that film, Capra um, is telling 
so much about a person's um, youth, but you realize you're like, oh, there's actually only like a, a few scenes. It's not even like a montage of like parts of his life. He's just constructed scenes so well that a handful of scenes tells like in broad on a broad scope like so much about his upbringing and that whole film works in such a, like we often talk about Citizen Kane as the story of a man's life and how expert it is but it's a wonderful life is also such a good story of of a man's life yeah on our first episode i think when we were talking about mank i believe we mentioned that fact that the line from kane uh, that you know maybe nothing can uh, you know can a film can a story evoke an entire person's life mm, yeah yeah um but i do think it's Wonderful Life does that. And and so to me, it, it stands up there as a, you know, like a great novel in terms of the way it's able to paint a picture, not only of actually one man, but a whole community, I think. And I think your comment, Anton, about rewatching this as Christmas, it's, it's not so much that this list is just like our pet favorites. And obviously the fact that there's Star Wars on here, it means that they're the films we're most passionate about. It's the films we're most, it's kind of, um, we will go it up to bat for, right? Like we know inside and out and we can discuss the reasons why not only they mean so much to us individually within our own life experience of watching it, our own childhood of their first encounters, repetition encounters and how they influenced us in what we do or what we're interested in, but also kind of taught us the language to engage with other movies. Yeah. And in which by giving those tools to go investigate samurai movies or old westerns or old Hollywood classics or silent films. And then you double back and you revisit that initial film. It deepens your enjoyment of it. And you start to realize that, Oh wait, we're actually just really lucky that some of the films that we latched onto in childhood happen to be really great films that are very instructive in how to understand and appreciate classical Hollywood filmmaking. Because that is the other thing. All these movies on the top 10, they're, they're classical films. We don't have any real. Well, I guess 2001 is Space Odyssey. It's the closest, be, yeah. It would be the yeah, most experimental. It is, of them but it's. All, even though it, it has um, some of. It's still some conventionally appealing. It, the end sequence is experimental, but we don't, you know, we don't have any slow cinema on here. We don't have any really like patience pushing avant garde stuff. We don't have things that break down into a pure formalist sense of like, we don't have Godard. We don't have. Some of those, some of those um, new wave guys across various uh, national cinemas, and it's not to say anything against them. It's just the fact that I think at our at the, its core we do align with the the most effective way a film can connect with you is on the narrative level and on the emotional level. In addition, and using all those formal tools to create that, and which is why it's actually very appropriate for something like two thousand one to be at the top, even though I wouldn't. You know, say it's my first or second film all time. And it's because it unifies the craft and the use of narrative and just the kind of emotional and and sensory experience of cinema in such a way that it gives you something you can't get in a book. And I really like Arthur C. Clarke books. I've read all the the Odyssey books. They're great books, but it's a completely different experience than watching that Mm -hmm. movie, especially watching it in a theater in 70 mil. Well, I think the film is... The superior, uh, you know, I've read, yeah, yeah again, all absolutely. that series. I think the film is the superior work. Well, actually, th- those though. also aren't his best books. Like yeah. some of his other books, like Childhood's End, are better. But I thought you, <laughs> I thought you point out an interesting and important, like observation about the whole list is that you do see that we do all of us, you know, as this as this is a work of consensus. Um, this is um, our interest in or our uh, emphasis on narrative in film comes strong. Um, even though, you know, each of us has other aspects of film, I think we each, um, 
skew more towards like you know whether how much we care about genre conventions how much we care about um, certain formal aspects or visual aspects or the use of sound or music um, but there's definitely you know you'd look at this list and you'd see that these are um, you know these are people who are very interested in how you tell a story and then that's maybe the the central thing that film is is a is a narrative medium I think though that also though like that like you mentioned both of you earlier the classical sense in that classical Hollywood style in a sense right the in, whether as as you know maybe this is laid down in the night the codes laid down in the 20s and 30s that may be perfected by people like John Ford that you know people like Lucas and uh, and even as early as Citizen Kane they, there's a quote Orson Welles and they asked him it's like you know which masters did you study when you wanted to uh uh, learn how to make Citizen Kane, and his his joke answer, but was a serious answer, was John Ford, John Ford, and John Ford. So he said, apparently he watched Stagecoach over and over again in order to mm-hmm. to learn a lot of the basics in the move from sta- uh, stage and theater and radio to cinema for him. No, I said Anton, like you you mentioned this yeah, as a work of collaboration and a consensus list. So Anders, maybe do you want to jump into the methodology sure. of how we actually broke down this list? I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Yeah, so methods for list making are, are always, uh, you know, the, the method that you use to create the list is going to inform the kind of list you get. And we didn't want to put out just, you know, three lists, like, because we mentioned what some of our individual tops would be, but we were looking for something for the site, right, for the mm-hmm. three brothers. The interesting thing about the site is that it's this weird unify, it's drawing on our various idiosyncrasies and our shared aspects and presenting it to the world in this kind of unified tone or voice, even if we, you know, have all these various differences between us. So it was important to have a list from the three brothers, not exactly three lists from the brothers. And, and so that informed my sort of trying to come up with the methodology here. So there was a couple challenges. One is limited pool of voters, which is three. So you're going to get a lot of ties. Uh, the second thing is that if each person just submitted a ranked list and you uh, found the consensus of that, it would be possible for someone to skew the list uh, to get some of their own pet favorite uh, pet favorites that aren't even maybe liked or uh, admired by the others or seen even <laughs> or even seen yeah into the top ten. The so what we did was um, I had each of us submit without seeing what the other person other brothers did submit a, a nomination list of a hundred films so unranked that, and just, we ended just up a list unranked an unranked yeah. list of a hundred films. That you would nominate for your for the top hundred, and I put no limits on that. So there wasn't any limits about uh, how many films by a director or decade or anything like that. Just give me a list of your hundred films. From that, we came up with a pool of actually 194 different films nominated by the three of us. So that meant that what actually ended up being was that each of us had about 50% overlap with the other. But two. a 50% not overlap. But yeah. 50% non-overlap which is, I think, pretty good. So that would still mean, though, that like you have essentially an overlap of about 100 and you know, some films in there um, and trying to work out what those would be and the ranks. So then what I had each of us do was to, to vote on those and vote them very specifically not to... I, was, I instructed the, my brothers to not just uh, you know, write it what you think it is, like a 10 out of 10 all time or you know, a 5 out of 10. But rather rank it for the purposes of this list. Like, so it was so one to six. This, one to six. This film should be in the top twenty-five, into the top uh, forty-five, in the top hundred. 
or just misses the cut, or I don't think it should be on the list, basically. Uh, you know, and then there was a one if you were like, I'd be upset. And th- this, I should, I will acknowledge my debt in terms of that ranking that, that to uh, Darren Hughes and the folks over at Arts and Faith when they did their top 100 ranking. Because I felt there's the, the one important thing about that methodology was it forced people to be very specific about what they wanted on and off the list. And two, it um, avoided any uh, ties. There was no middle value, right? So someone had to make a hard decision about is it on the list or off the list, right? So 4-3, that was, that was the, the, the tipping point. So after we did that voting, we actually ended up with mostly a pretty good list of about, you know, 100 films. But, there, but given the nature of only having three voters, there were several, a lot of ties. We actually ended up having eight films that received unanimous sixes across the board from all three of us. And then, so within each of those tiers that developed, and then had each of us submit rankings of those individual tiers. So you preserved the uh, the you know overall vote. The things for each that have hundred percent consensus. The things that have you know close to hundred percent. So the the top of the list means that we all of us were very passionate about it being towards the top of the list. So you get different levels that are the six, the five, the four. Like you had grades of movies <laughs> that fit it, and that meant that. But then after that, each of us yeah. would rank would offer a numbered rank of in those order to because, iron out the, you know, the ties and in order to iron out the, the ties and stuff. Uh, and that also, you know, forced people to rank films that maybe they even wouldn't have had in their top hundred. So, and I think that I'm pretty happy. I remember when I showed it to you guys, what were your first thoughts when you saw it initially? Well, I remember Anton's messages of being, wait, did you guys not all give Susan Kane in the top 10? Wait, did you guys not all put Godfather in the po- top 20? Wait, guys, it, why is Schindler's List not on your list? Like, yeah, I was expecting Susan <laughs> yeah. Kane. Honestly, I was expecting Susan Kane in the top five based on our normal conversations and how often we reference it. Um, we, hadn't, we hadn't actually talked about The Godfather in a while, but I think over the years, um, I probably more, uh, feel more passionately about it than either of you. And Schindler's List, yeah, I mean, it's still on the list, but it's lower down. That's it's one of my top Spielbergs. So I was probably, I fired off some uh, nitpicking texts, chiding them for their... Uh... But you also commented, <laughs> Anton, that you were like, when you sat and looked at the the top, especially once we once we did the, the ranking uh, that sort of kind of the top 25, top 30, you were like, you know what, this looks right. It feels right. It felt like, yeah, this is representative of all of us. There's no real films on there that any of us would be like, really? Yeah, and I and I think if you you look at you know if you're if you're reading on the site, um, you know our feature on this, you're going to see how often we're pulling um, from our previous writing on the site, you know, in order to describe the film. So, so many of these films are things we've already written about because we're passionate about them, and if we haven't. Um, you know, I think some of these ones, like, you know, The Godfather, one of my top films, I I need to watch it again because it's actually been a while. But so I'd like to write on it for the site. But you, it, I think it's a good representative. But, of but I was site. pretty happy for a fairly ad hoc, for an ad hoc methodology that was an attempting to solve certain problems, which is to avoid any one person being able to essentially game the list, to, to aim for consensus, to then also give it a fairly, like strong uh representation of our actual preferences yeah. by the, the subsequent ranking it, i think it actually turned out pretty well and, yeah. and, it, and it was funny because i will note there was so when the first obviously you can look at the list and i said there was eight films that got unanimous six that means that it was you know 2001 space odyssey through 
It's a Wonderful Life, which uh, all all those tied at perfect six uh, score. Uh, but then when we did the final ranking, I think the two films that uh, Anton and I, I would have been disappointed not to have Kane in the top ten, definitely. Um, and Aaron would have been really disappointed not to have his personal favorite film in the top ten. So I, I was really happy the way it shook out in terms of that finalizing. It corrected for itself. <laughs> exactly. It and so to me, the fact that the methodology corrected for that makes me satisfied. Oh, yeah, it worked. It, but it's actually interesting because, as you said, that there's a space for certain things that didn't make it on there. So, like, basically the way it shook out is that any film that we hadn't seen, like all three of us, didn't actually make the list. I know there was sure. there was one film yeah. that Anton hadn't actually watched, but he watched it. But a f- he'd seen it now a few days ago, so he has seen it now. But it was like right so at we've the tail end. We've all seen the whole list. I've, yeah. seen, I've seen it now. So everything on the list we've all seen now. Yeah, and I I won't say what the film is. I'll let you all think about it. But uh, I will say that I'm I'm not unhappy that's on the list. But now. so like I know Anders, you had some Tarkovsky films in there that I haven't seen. And so it just completely fell off or Barry Lyndon from Kubrick. I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was surprised that a movie like Ordet didn't make it on Carl Theodore Dreyer's and I didn't realize Anton hadn't seen it. So like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's interesting how, even though we, we constantly talk about movies and we, you know, we discuss the site, but like me and Anders used Letterboxd a lot and we all kind of have our running group, text about movies we're watching and this that and the other so we're pretty aware of what each other's into but there's still certain things that i was a little bit surprised of and i was like oh that's you know that's the silent movie you picked or that's that's the japan like that's the kurosawa you went with or you know it's just yeah. it's interesting yeah. little is idiosyncrasies which i think is more reflected in the the second 50 like 50, 51 through yep. 100 that's kind of where those are reflected as opposed to yep. the first 50 which is very much movies that we all Hit. And that's why you start to get some of the doubles in there, right? You start to yeah. get the repeated and um, uh, certain films. But Ashland, yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I think also, if you just also want to speak about, like, you know, the purpose of this list and how we're not trying to put out, like, we're not, the list, there's a personal side to the list. It's not that we're saying that these films are just films that we like and we're not asserting that they're great. We are sort of saying they're great films, but I think it's also a, a, a list that is very reflective of our of our own histories of watching film, of our own taste. Absolutely. I think anytime people make a list, uh, if they're they're making the list honest to themselves and not trying to like fill certain quotas, and there's 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 reasons for doing that in, in different circumstances, but for this purpose, to make the the three brothers top one hundred, you know, this this film is both it list is both representative of films that we all think are great. That we all think are truly great films, yeah. but are also representative of the films that shaped us and our tastes. Yeah, and I think there's sometimes a question that comes out, and like my wife was even asking me this when we were building out these lists, and she's like, "What's the difference between your favorite movie and the movies you think are best?" And I'm trying not to sound like a snob and be like, "Well, I think my favorite movies are the best movies," <laughs> but trying to uh, trying to communicate that like this is not the movies I'm most comfortable with necessarily, or the like the cozy films. You know, it's not I've watched Star Wars The Force Awakens like a dozen times. It's not it's not sniffing this list, but I'm so fond of Star Wars. So I revisit that kind of thing. But something like Revenge of the Sith or Return of the Jedi gets on here just in the same. You know, if it was if it was this was just a list of like the films I'm I have the most fun with. There'd be like Dumb and Dumber and Step Brothers and Batman versus Superman and weird movies that like, you know, I think those movies are good. And it's Mm -hmm. not like it's it's like I'm trying to keep guilty pleasures or things like that off, even though I don't really believe in those. It's it's just, 
I think we all have respect our own interest in film enough to not shortchange the movies that we actually are passionate about, where it's like, there's movies I care about, but they wouldn't make the hundred. Yeah. And like, once I got into, you know, got serious about film and started watching stuff, I kept coming up with this question where people would be like, okay, like, what are your favorite movies? And when I mentioned Star Wars, people would be like, well, that's just like a movie you like and you watched as a kid and had a good experience. But like, what are the ones you actually think are the best? And, you know, as I've argued in some of my writing on Star Wars, it was like, well, you know, there's a deeply personal side to, for my love for Star Wars, but I actually think it is a great film. And here's like the formal reasons why and other reasons. And, in, and another good example of this is, so number 43, perhaps controversial, Roadhouse. So Aaron and I, what like the, the first time I saw Roadhouse, I was like, that's fun. I don't think it's a good movie. Or like, you know, like a, like a soft, a soft positive. Yeah. I think I gave it a six the very first time I watched it. And then Aaron and I have watched it yeah. in Anders, like again and again. I've become and convinced. I'm like, no, this is the best 80s action film. And that's the thing, right? Because you're, my personal biography, if I'm drawn to a film so much, at a certain point I have to ask myself, why is it that I, I feel that way about it? Like a film that didn't make the, the, even the top 100, but that I had nominated was uh, John Frankenheimer's Ronin. And it's a film that the first time I saw it, I liked it. I didn't love it. But I kept coming back to it over the last 20 years. And I'm like, I think this is one of the best post-Cold War thrillers. It has some of the best car chases I've ever seen. It's formally, the script is amazing. The performances are great. I'm like, it's a great film. There's no, I don't have to qualify that. Is it the, uh, like, you know, I didn't vote to put it on this list, but I would say maybe, maybe it's one of the best, maybe the best car chases. Frank, have you seen Bullet? I actually, I actually haven't seen the, Bullet, the movie. But Bullet's not like a great movie. It's got a great car chase. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. no, the the Ronin one, the backwards driving is pretty exceptional. Yeah. But at least we got a Frankenheimer on the list as mentoring candidates. So. It's true. And here's the other thing, right? It's like this list is it is indicative of the age we grew up in, the films, you know, the first formative great films that we discovered that led us to other avenues. So there's you can find themes in this list. You can find um, genre overlaps. You, the fact that like Bond movies are on here, and we didn't really we grew up <laughs> watching Bond movies, but we weren't the biggest Bond heads. You know, we liked Star Trek. Yeah, and, we actually came to and it Star a Wars later. and Indiana Jones more in Jurassic Park. Like Bond movies were something we we explored because they're considered important action movies in the history of cinema. And we started to be like, okay, there's something here. These are good movies, and we started to investigate them more. And and especially I think in 2015 when we did we did our retrospective, we really started to nail on like, no, these are really indicative of not only the genre but of just like that classical hollywood cinema cinema ma- filmmaking especially right. the early connery ones and some of the like a key, you know key craig ones would show up on this list well and i think you'll see you'll see a similar thing going on with um so we i think we have five five disney yeah. movies on here correct yeah so first is pinocchio um fantasia then, what fantasia Lion King, beauty and the beast and snow white you know, we have a we have so we have two Disney Renaissance, three from the classical period, and so I, I think someone will observe. They'll be like, "Well, you don't have any Pixar movies on here," and we were talking about this um, when we were putting the list together, and I was, we were sort of saying that you know what, like, I went the other day. I watched Snow White with my boys, and I was like, "There's fascinating stuff going on in this. Like, it is a great film. There's there's this strange expressionist um, scene when she's running in the forest. Um, the strange like castle in the sky sort of castle in the sky at the very end of the movie which where the prince lives like there's some very bold imagery there and it moves the the film 
works on a level that I feel like even Pixar, like the my favorite Pixars, I'll think are really, really good and really like them, but they don't seem to have the same almost like strangeness going on to really make me want to put it on the list. Yes, that's it. The, Snow White is not Snow White is not conventional, actually. Ironically, for the very first feature-length animation, because I, I just rewatched it last fall as well. Um, there's weird digressions. The pacing, there's like long sequences of like the dwarves doing silly, funny things, right? So I think you're right. I think it's that it lacks yeah. that idiosyncratic touch that the Pixar movies, as great as they are, sometimes feel like uh, film by committee. I agree with that in the sense Pixar, I think I was saying this the other day when we were just hashing over some ideas, which is Pixar movies are very good and can be excellent in like for children's entertainment but they never ever transcend that however much i like the toy story movies or the incredibles movies they're very good i'm not trying to like denigrate them or anything it's just they do have that kind of they are the best as they're the best thing that a product can be as like a film as product and i think that's one of the things on this list i don't think there's anything on here that you could say is purely a product i think the closest would be the bond movies and I think mm-hmm. the specific Bond movies that we pick out are the ones yeah. that are most um, most idiosyncratic. Have a, idiosyncratic or have a specific creative vision driving it, whether it's Connery as an actor, whether it's the kind of thematic interest of the whole series in Skyfall. But like, so just quickly jumping to the Disney thing, those early Disney movies, Pinocchio, Snow White, Fantasia, they're very clearly the, the vision of Walt Disney. Yeah, even though, even though he didn't but, direct But they're them. still like the... They are the the result of one unified vision, even if it's like a whole team doing that. But it's they have the artist's touch to like, you know, quote unquote. It's just however much I like Pixar and however much I like some Marvel movies and, you know, the new Star Wars movies. I really like those, but they're they don't get the level that the prequels get or the old ones get where it's like, no, this is this has the complexities and rough edges that I actually think are necessary for some great works of art. I think that's a good point that some people actually sometimes feel it the other way, right? Like they like the they they don't like those rough edges or the oddness of some movies. Um, but I actually wonder. I mean, some, maybe something to talk about not on this podcast, but like computer animation. I think sometimes I do wonder whether it has that lacks that handmade touch. I don't know. Do you want to talk about? Uh, the fact that we have six Spielberg films on here? Seven. Seven? <laughs> I think it's seven. I think there's seven Spielbergs. Yeah, so we've mentioned the five Disney, four Bonds, um, seven Spielbergs. You know, and you'll go through the list, you'll notice, oh, like, you know, there's four Star Wars movies, so episodes four, five, and six, and episode three. Um, how many Scorseses three. do we have on here? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. We have four Miyazaki. Four Miyazaki, yeah. So, like, I think it's kind of clear that Spielberg is the seven. He's the one who, unif- if if this is the list of, in some sense, the, like, classical Hollywood style, the, nar- you know, um, film as narrative art, but also entertainment, Spielberg kind of... In- and the movie Brat Generation. Yeah, but Spielberg embodies that the most of any director. And what you'll see, what, it, what I found interesting, and one of the reasons, actually, why um, the methodology we chose wound up on having, say, seven Spielbergs and three or four of a lot of the directors we really like is the fact that even though we're all, say, all huge fans of Spielberg or we're all now very big into Bond, which of those works are our very favorite, we we tend to disagree on. 
And so that what that but we all mm-hmm. like all of their works. So yeah. what that what that did is that caused, you know, I think that's why there's four four bonds on here. You know, like if I if if someone was like make a list of hundred greatest films, I'd probably be like, Yeah, so there should probably be maybe like two bonds on here. But but because, you know, my favorite Bond movies are Casino Royale and From Russia with Love. And I think From Russia with Love is maybe the most consensus of ours. And then Aaron's is Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall and Goldfinger are my favorite. I have Goldfinger. From Russia with Love and Goldfinger on yeah. my nomination of 100. Okay, so, you know, that's the reason why there's four on there. Because our very favorites, which we would give, you know, a five or a six on our ranking system. Same with Spielberg. With same thing with Spielberg, you know. Um, the, the number two is probably... Is it all of our favorites? It's my favorite. Would we all agree? It's yeah. I'd say that or like um, that's no, probably it. Probably is my favorite. It probably is. It's it's that or Minority Report for me. Yeah, and it depends on the day. <laughs> but then you know, like you know, Anders was passionate about mm-hmm. ET for the list. I still think ET's you know a ten out of ten yeah. masterpiece. But I would I originally didn't have it on my nomination list, and and so that's how. I, um, some of these directors sort of accrued quite a few on here. Um, and it was interesting to see what ones we came closest. Like, you know, Seven Samurai mm-hmm. for Kurosawa. It's hard not to pick that. I think almost any any film buff out there will be like, yeah, Seven Samurai. Yeah. Like, and that was what was our second one, right? I think like like I had Rashomon as the second. My second yeah, and I had Ran, uh, the King Lear. Well, I, I had Dursu Izala, which neither of you guys have seen. Yeah, I know. That's one of the, the few I had Kurosawa's Ran on I my list seen. as well. And like Rashomon, Yojimbo, Ikaru are all movies that I think are great, but they're like, you know, they're just off the list for me. But because I think they're great, if you guys put them on, I would still like vote them highly. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's what happened in a lot of cases with films that you guys chose that I didn't necessarily nominate in my hundred. In terms of genre, I think we that see, shows also the difficulty, right? Well, I was just going to say, in terms of genre, we could also just quickly comment. You know, we see that you know there's a strong interest in um, in science fiction. Um, but it's interesting to see, you know, I think later on if we wanted to work out some lists around like, you know, something we don't often talk about perhaps as much, but like comedies. So like things like, you know, like Rushmore, we're all a huge fan of Wes Anderson. I think all of us like Rushmore best. Um, mm-hmm. This is Spinal Tap as being maybe the funniest yeah. movie of all time. <laughs> like I still like it's just it's so laugh out loud. Like I just die when I watch it. Oh, it's perfect. It's sublime, actually, with how funny it is. I mentioned this, yeah, when we were kind of just going back and forth, which was I almost wish there were more comedies on the list. Because, But comedy is, comedy and horror are the two genres that are the hardest for people to unify on because they have such a personalized reaction to them. Yeah. So horror is the other thing that on the site we've started really digging into with our Halloween horror. And like I've made a point of, you know, it went from being I'm a huge scaredy cat and just don't like watching horror <laughs> movies because they scare me too much to I'm going to face this head on and I, I love horror movies. Like I watch so many of them. They're one of my favorite genres. Yeah, no, I always want the, the daytime. <laughs> and I ended up liking horror enough to be asked to teach a horror film class so that yeah. really even like it's kind of become something i've really been into and and noting also the overlaps between horror and science fiction because i think some of my favorite horror films are uh sci-fi horror so alien and the thing both made the list so. but that's the thing it's i'm glad that we have some horror movies on yeah. this list like psychos are number five so horror movies in the top yeah. 10 and you have the shining and the thing and alien in there. And I know we individually, some of us had different like silence lamps. That's horror as well. That's later. Yeah. On the yeah. List. A serial killer. Horror I, you know, I also pushed for Texas chainsaw massacre. 
and it's a movie that I've come to more recently, but it's like it looms so large. And yeah, and the film, the horror film that I was, I wanted Night of the Living Dead on there, but well, and I, I, I was tempted to have It Follows, but I know you guys wouldn't go for it at all. So, <laughs> on comedy, I would just say that, like, you know, for me personally, what I, what I, what I'd also sort of say is that, like, you know, we have, you know, we have the gen- we have a bit of a range of comedy on here too, which I like. We have the general, you know, coming at number ten, so some of the, the great slapstick. Um, but sometimes like comedy versus humor and some of my favorite humorous moments in movies are actually not always just in comedies. Um, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like some of the, like the little jokes and stuff that I'll come back to again and again, are just like, they sometimes show up in like movies that you wouldn't describe as a a comedy. You know, like the way, like some of Sean Connery's quips is, uh, Dr. Jones and, uh, the last crusade, like things like that, that I just find really funny and I'll have a big laugh at, you know, like it's like comedy. One of the films I've laughed the most at in the last like long little while, like few months was rewatching American Psycho. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is on our list. And it's it's, I think it, it's a, it's a dark comedy. Yep. And it's it's also same thing with Dr. Strangelove, right? So we have another dark comedy there. If you can't laugh at, uh, you know, the excesses of, uh, serial killer wall street guys and nuclear war i mean what can you laugh not laugh at (laughs) (laughs) is there anything you wanted to pick out that you were like why wasn't this on here is there anything you want to alert people alert alert people listening be like you know what like i just don't get why this didn't show up at the end of the day well i understand why i didn't but i have mirror is turned into tarkovsky's mirror is probably one of my 10 favorite films at this point the number of times i've watched and how much tarkovsky i love it but guy, i love tarkovsky and, and to tarkovsky. me i think yeah. i had two tarkovsky's even nominated and none of them made it so i think tarkovsky is the biggest uh omission for me so i made comment which is the biggest omission is certain core directors which i think we all admit are great but they don't have anything on here i think having no james cameron is a little bit like I find it an omission. I the fact that T two is not on here. I know you guys don't go for Titanic to the level that I do, but T <laughs> two as this just like sublime action movie. I, I vetoed Titanic. I'm sorry, Aaron. It's no, it's fine yeah, because it's, in the vote. it's such a pure. Uh, it takes a certain kind of an emotionality for you to latch onto such a film like that. <laughs> but I think the people who love Titanic very much love it. So I, and I'm one of those people. But um, so James Cameron movies. Anders, you love Tarkovsky personally. I really love Bergman, but Anton had, and we have a few Bergmans on here, but Anton mm-hmm. hasn't seen beyond. I haven't seen them all. Some yeah. the ones on here. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really seen beyond the ones on here. So you know, we there's no um, you know Fanny Alexander or Cries and Whispers, and I said Ordet as as another movie that yeah. it's just a not of people have seen to get on here. I it personally, I think the biggest. Um, well, the, so I'd say the biggest genre that we're missing is kung fu movies. And I know Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon's on here, but that's a wuxia epic, and I don't really count yeah. it the same as like a Jackie Chan film or you know one of those Hong Kong movies from the eighties, nineties. But again, we split on which Jackie Chan movie nominated. Aaron. It's true because you picked to- Police Story, which I agree is amazing, but I Legend of Drunken Master is a comedy too. That's the thing, and I know Police Story is very funny. Police Story is hilarious, but Drunken Master is like a straight comedy too. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I feel like I'd have to rewatch. Like it's been so long since I saw Drunken Master. To be fair, um, I did watch Drunken Master with uh, Jackie Chan in attendance, so it looms a bit large over my mind. Um, the, but the special. director that I think I find a little bit curious that he's not on here is Kislowski, and. I get that it's partially because his greatest work is a TV work. It's Decalogue, which isn't... Which we, we talked about that we didn't have a lot of strong 
rules about what was on the list, but we did talk about, you know, something like the deck log. And we said we're gonna count it as as like a TV series, yeah. Series, so we 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 didn't and we didn't said no short films. and we said also no yeah. short films because otherwise there's a few short films I you know I would have picked to go on here like Duck Amok um, or um, Night and Fog things like that yeah yeah maybe one of the Superman yeah one of the Max Fleischer ones. yeah but so Kislovsky is one of the, like if I'm being perfectly honest looking at this list right now the film that I think is far and away too high is Tree of Life but I'm glad what what I'm glad and I really. I really love it, but it was like lower down on my list. And it's just the fact that it's so it's probably, the you know, it's the only film of the last decade to get in the top 25. And I do agree it's great, but it's just picking that transcendence over Kozlowski or over Dreyer. I, I'm just like, ah, no, I want a little bit more I'm of those. I'm glad we have that skewed. And I like, um, <laughs> well, like, I feel like we don't have actually a lot of recent films. So part of me, that's why I like having it. Yeah on the list and also ranking highly because there's a few other recent films that I'm like, you know, I, I feel like in a few years we might come back to and wonder if it's on here, like Blade Runner 2049 True. or something. Anton, have you seen Grave of the Fireflies? I haven't. Okay, so that would explain that. Otherwise it would probably and be And Anders, you didn't, yeah, prob- you didn't, and only yesterday you haven't seen either, right? So No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I, I like both those a lot, but they were like, they're on the bubble. Because that's kind me. of the thing with me and I think with you, Anders, a bit, which... If we had personal things of like what what one you know whether it's Disney whether it's Bond would like fill out the most entries, I know on my personal list it would be Ghibli movies. I feel like if if maybe we just all seen those, there would have been a higher chance of of having those be the most entries as opposed to Spielberg, which I think that's just a shifting of some taste over time, and not even taste. It's just uh, what we have latched onto more as over the years. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll say I think should be on the list. Um, is I actually think Sound of Music should be on the list. And I, I know you guys prefer West Side Story, but this will be a, for, for another day. But I, like, I actually think Julie Andrews' performance is maybe, maybe the best, one of the, one of the best performances of all time. Like maybe the best you know, uh, female performance in a Have movie. Have you seen Double Life of Veronique? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. It's two performances, price of one. <laughs> I, need to re- I need to rewatch it, though. It's been about a decade since I watched it. Do we have one? We have one musical. Is West Side Singing Story? in the Rain, or we no? I guess the, the Disney. Disney. We have Disney. Singing in the Rain. We have Singing in the Rain. We I had Disney. Singing in the Rain in my top twenty-five. I do time, really so. like that movie. Oh, you do? I, it's up in the twenty-five. Yeah, because I've just rewatched it so many times, and I've taught I like, it. Like, I like, I'm a, I'm a sound of music over Singing in the Rain. So the musicals that are were just outside the list for me, and I don't think either of you guys have seen them, are the 1930s Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers ones, like Swing Time and Top Hat. No, I actually have And I find those so sublime. Fred Astaire's a, a gap for me, for sure. This is the kind of exercise which it's fruitful for discussion of us understanding our own sin, you know, spots, journeys too. as cinephiles, but blind spots, and also encouraging each other to, to seek out things. And I think exactly. there's a possibility of more lists, not necessarily like top hundreds, but of whether it's genre list or or national cinema lists or decades lists coming out in the future because I think it's it's an opportunity for us to take stock and kind of reset the deck and be like okay maybe the, maybe check out these movies because yeah we're clearly lacking some things on here and there, oh for sure yeah, and there's a lot of films that I just haven't also watched in a long time and I want to revisit you know like Anton I actually did rewatch Sound of Music last week and I agree it's really good I also but I also also recently watched West Side Story and I'm like. It's, I think for me, what puts West Side Story over the top is, again, the dancing. And I actually, 
And the music. The yeah, music the is bad. Complex and I actually think Bernstein and Sondheim is better. Sondheim's lyrics are so good. That's the thing. And I know Sound of Music is a children's film, Anton, as you said in our plumber thing. That's why it works so well. It's just West Side Story is like the perfect synthesis of, of highbrow, lowbrow musical, in a sense. I would also note, like, you know, like I think with the other thing, talking about blind spots, like my, all of us are fairly, like we've we've watched pretty widely in terms of, you know, uh, global cinema. But you can tell from our list, like, you know, most of the, you know, the uh, not US, not UK on here, we actually have probably more East Asian cinema than we even have European cinema potentially yeah, so. on here with all the, with all the Miyazaki's and stuff, you know, but part of that reflects like just the sort of our fascinations. And also like, you know, like I lived in Korea for a year, like my interest in East Asia has always been strong. So I feel like in some of the global cinema, I've tended to watch in that direction, but I, I'm also wanting to expand, right? right? Like there's, I've, there's films that I haven't seen that I definitely need to check out in the world. Cinema. I will say for me, um, obviously East Asian cinema is an area of interest, both academically and I lived in Asia. I've, I've written on it. I've taught courses on Hong Kong cinema and East Asian cinema. But um, the biggest blind spot for me is Indian cinema. I, I really don't know Bollywood. I don't really know much about it. The only, like, I haven't really seen much beyond, like, you know, Path of Panchali. Yeah. No, that's so. hugely. Which, you know, I think was probably close to be on this list. Though. No, it's true. I Like, I I put it on my initial list. And I know it probably was pretty high, but it's probably just on the cusp. Um, yeah, it's it's just, like, acknowledging. That's the whole thing, right? It's... Film spotting always says it so correctly, which is, you know, you present it as your top films or you present it as your, you know, it's your personal canon, but it's it's your pantheon. And that's how they discuss it. And so nobody can ever quibble about you putting a film in your pantheon so long as you're willing to, like, defend it, right? Yeah. And, that's <laughs> and so that's the whole thing with this. It's it's These are films we can all go to bat for and defend why they're on this. And it doesn't mean that something that's not, you know doesn't mean that something that's not on this list doesn't deserve to be here or there's not a conversation to be had if anything the conversation is started because we made the list exactly it's a starting place yeah. not a finality right and i could see us coming back in 10 years mm. and doing this list and it being slightly different i'd love to hear from our readers and listeners about like you know what are some of the points of you know like where you're like i don't know why that's on the list and then also why didn't you yeah think about no let us know this? please <laughs> some pushback would be would be great because again you know and i I think we're all happy to, you know, there's nothing, I think you're right, like, there's nothing on this list that I wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, have a, a case that I could try to make, but I'm also open to, you know, aware of my blind spots, and I think there's so many movies still to watch, even though we've seen a lot, you know. That's what's great about movies. We could do this for two hours more, so. <laughs> we totally could, but what I'm going to encourage you as a listener to do is a couple things, which is, one, Tell us the movies that you would put it on here that aren't on here. Two, tell us the movies that you're annoyed that we have on here. And three, watch the films that you haven't seen that are on here. Because that's the ultimate kind of thing that I want, which is like, if you are curious as to why JFK is on here at number 53, go put it on and give yourself a wild ride for three hours and then come back and we'll have a conversation about it. Because there are aspects about all these films that we appreciate and we put it on here that aren't always the same reason, right? We're not approaching everything with one, one kind of blanket list mm -hmm. of what it meets, what it needs to meet to get onto this list. It's a various idiosyncrasies. It's various formal approaches. It's different emotional ways of moving us, whether it's a laugh to scare us. The ultimate thing is that these movies are worth talking about and more importantly, worth watching. 
So please watch them. And I think something we said earlier, that point of like lists is a starting point, right? Not, not as the end point, but as a starting point. And I remember you know, looking at those AFI lists or sight and sound lists. And so hopefully this can be, whether you, whether you like this list, hate it, um, hopefully this is a starting point, uh, something that you, know, you can use to go see some more great movies. Thank you for a very enjoyable game. Yeah, thank you.